I like this. The Miami Hurricanes have made an offer to a stud South Florida quarterback who's also a stud baseball pitcher as well. Let's learn more about Austin Simmons. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So Miami has a notable offer out there for the class of 2025 for a South Florida-based quarterback. You don't see a whole lot of those. I think the last one Miami had was Stephen Morris about a decade ago, but the Hurricanes have made an offer to four-star class of 2025 quarterback Austin Simmons out of Pahokee. And let me bring on here, great friend of the show, colleague of mine at allhurricanes.com. He crushes it all over Fan Nation. Brian Smith is with us. Now, Brian what makes Austin Simmons extra interesting is this guy's a stud pitcher as well. Yeah, it's not very often that a guy is as good as he is at two sports, especially when you're a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Austin is in the 90-mile-an-hour range. Uh, he's been clocked at that. Wow. He still has two years of high school left. He's a class of 25 kid. He's got a plethora of offers in football on one hand, and he can go baseball, whether it's a draft or college baseball this is a young man that has a very bright future. Wow. And, you know, why is it you think that we don't see like that many elite quarterbacks out of Florida and South Florida? Is it just like the, the style of, you know, the style of offenses run down here? That is one of the greatest questions ever. It's something that comes up in, in topics all over. It is increasing. Uh, there's Tyler Aronson, there's Austin and some, some other kids that are underclassmen coming up. But to be honest, for the better part of 25 years, if you look at the big three in Florida, they don't really recruit kids locally. And it's not like they want to go further to get quarterbacks. They just have chosen to do so. So I don't know what it is, but skill position and D-line seems to be the the trend in, in South Florida in particular. And uh, hopefully quarterback, you know, this kid in particular, I mean, Simmons has tremendous upside. Some of these kids will start producing at that spot, too, because South Florida's got everything else. Yeah, they sure do. So it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know, you get your you get everything else from South Florida. And then maybe for a lot of times for offensive linemen and for quarterbacks, you, you have to shop elsewhere. There was like a little stretch where, you know, Miami had Ja'Cory Harris and then Stephen Morris was not long after that. But we're in like we're in like a 10 year drought right now from a Miami standpoint. So Simmons mm -hmm. is, is someone to watch. But like, honestly, in, in his situation, when you're a lefty pitcher, and there's a lot more successful lefty pitchers than quarterbacks. I think everyone's aware of that. You're a lefty pitcher who can throw over 90 miles an hour as like a 16-year-old. I don't know. Like, do you, do you feel like he may end up gravitating towards baseball? I mean, it's hard to say. Everybody has their own passion. Hmm. But if it was my kid, that's what I would want because it's safer sport. But yeah. you have to do what you're passionate about. You know, you, you it's like a, my buddy tells me all the time, I can't tell you who to love, but I'll support whoever that is. It's the same thing with what you want to do for a job, what you want to do for entertainment. Everybody has their own niche. Simmons may not know at this point. He's still active in football. He had a really good year. He averaged over 19 yards of completion this past wow. year, which is, I know it's high school football, 
Yeah, sure. But that's absurd. So he hits the home run ball and he plays at Pahokee, which is a program that's always had great football players. So that's not anything surprising. But if he wants to play football, it's as wide open as it gets. He, he'll have as many offers as he wants. So it, it's kind of cool to, to see a kid that had that kind of situation. And I'll go check him out later this spring and, and see him throw and get some video of him up. But I, I'm excited to see what he can do on the mound, too. I kind of want to see a baseball game just as much, if not Yeah, more. same, same. Now, I, I have to ask you about and, – and one of the things we're going to talk about in a little bit with Brian Smith is – you know, Miami Hurricanes signees for the class of 2023 and who we think could have an immediate impact and who might take a little bit longer to develop. Before we get to that, though, I've got to ask you your take on this Jaden Rashada situation, which is very fluid. Now, obviously, Miami fans are interested because he's a former Miami commit. Um, you know, now we don't really have any skin into the game. It's it's Florida fans wondering what happens because he's not enrolled yet at Florida. Um, they're a hundred percent as you and I have both been told there, there's an NIL situation happening there, which has seemingly been confirmed throughout the week. Uh, he was reported last night to have asked for a release from his national letter of intent. His father came out and denied that report, but his father also said, you know, we need something to happen here by Friday. Basically it sounds like if they don't agree uh, with Florida by tomorrow, he's going to take his talents elsewhere. Uh, now, you have been one of my go-to guys on the Cormani McLean saga. That feels pretty tame compared to what's going on with Rashada. <laughs> it's ironic that you mentioned that. I, I live in Polk County, so, I mean, I know this area well with Cormani and all that. But the situation with Rashada is, quite frankly, a groundbreaker. We're, we're just now into the NIL era, and it was a matter of time, not if, but just when – something like this transpired. And because he's not only a good quarterback, he signed with Florida, a tradition-rich program, SEC, Elite 11 kid, anything that you can throw on the fire was there. Yeah. And, you know, and he flipped in November from Miami to Florida. I mean, there's just a million things. Here's all I, I will say. I mean, there's a million parts of what I've heard, but if the NIL is not working – how does he end up at Florida? That was what I was, you know, I, I told a couple of buddies the last few days. Mm, yeah. That's what his dad basically said. I mean, he didn't say, but I don't see how Florida survives this in a positive way because there's no other quarterbacks to go get. I'm not real high on their circumstance with who they got through the transfer portal. No offense to the kid from Wisconsin. He's just not very good. Yeah. Florida is in deep, deep trouble. And I, you know, you're going to figure all this stuff out in like 24 hours from now. Really? Yeah. What are the mathematical chances of that happening? <laughs> Low. So I mean, I, I think we might just figure out in 24 hours if he's a Gator or if he's not. But as far as where he actually oh. winds up, who the hell knows? <laughs> I I have not a clue. Wow. Not a clue. I mean, does does anybody want to venture a guess in today's world? I mean, I don't. And wherever he goes, he's a good kid, covered him at Elite 11, nice guy, real cool with everybody that, you know, interviewed him. But, man, I'm glad I'm far away from that circumstance. I like it right where I'm at. <laughs> so Now, you know, another thing, um, so supposedly, you know, in 
three days, we're, we're going to know something about Cormani. It's been, it's been so quiet, Brian. I don't know. And, and you're closer to it in Polk County than I am in Miami Dade County. But, you know, everyone was talking about Cormani uh, at the Under Armour game and, and what he said in that interview that got everybody talking. And we spoke on the show a day or two after that. I feel like it's been so quiet uh, for the last couple of weeks. Is there is there anything new? And what do, is 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 he actually going to do something on January fifteenth? Because it's been all quiet on that front. I think quiet is better. Yes, I I was telling people that today. I, I agree. Mean, quiet is better for Miami. Um, I don't know if Cormani. When I spoke to him, I mean before the interview, I spoke to him briefly before the game. He mentioned the fifteenth of January to me. And I said, well, the 1st of February is National Letter of Intent. Right. I don't know if that's something different on the – like, you know, the academics, I have no idea. Yeah. But the date is really not that important to me. It's just where do you enroll. And when I talked to Stafford after the game, the other guy that's, you know, was at the game that's a corner, you know, Cormani very well, he said that him and Cormani were going to enroll in May. Again, the date is not all that important, but they were going to be summer enrollees. Uh, I let it be. And I have not heard one peep, even living here since. Yeah. So and, and that's been my thing as well, because uh, a couple people have like asked me on Twitter if, if like what's going on with Cormani. And my answer has been it's been so quiet that I don't know. But I do think quiet is better for Miami because that's where he's committed. Right. If, it, if he was talking to other places or taking visits or something, surely we would have heard something. Well, in today's world, I, I still wouldn't be shocked if he's taking a visit because, I mean, it's just a private plane can go wherever it wants. Ah, that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I haven't yeah, even yeah. inquired. I've kind of went into fan mode. Whatever happens, I'm just going to read about it. Yeah. I don't even try to reach out anymore because I don't know what else I'm going to say. Right. You know what I mean? He, he's just got to unroll somewhere. I have no idea. It, it is one of the odder things that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, the quarterback that went to Ohio State 10, 15 years ago for Pennsylvania, the number one, he waited to like March to sign. I can't remember his name. But these are rare. These are very rare. So I know Miami fans aren't very patient as a rule. Well, right now they don't get much option on it. It's just, it is what it is. So when, he's, when he announces something, we'll all know. I love it. So, all right, Miami, on the final edition of SI99, Miami has uh, seven of their verbal commit slash signees turn up on that list. And I want to talk about that and who could have an immediate impact right after we talk about Bet Online, Guys, BetOnline.net, make this your go-to spot for all the latest sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. I'm on the site every day. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college football, basketball, World Cup. We've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, yes, you can find those as well at Bet Online. It's your one stop shop, and they always have the fastest and easiest ways to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes. Your first listen today, or in this case, your second listen, double episode day here on Locked on Canes. We're available free on YouTube and available free wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, I'm looking, Brian Smith, who joins us, by the way, at the uh, at the the uh, SI99, the final edition of it. Um, so Miami has seven 
verbal commit slash signees on it. I have to say that since Cormani McLean is not signed. Cormani is top three. Samson Okunlola at number five. Francis Mauigoa at number 13. Jaden Wayne at number 44. Malik Bryant at number 50. Ruben Bain at number 74. And Raul Aguirre, uh, the linebacker Popo, makes the list at 96. So that's obviously a really, really strong showing for Miami. And I, you, you look at these players, Brian, like I, I could make a case for all the names that I just read. Uh, some of them might even compete for starting jobs. Uh, others could definitely be contributors on the field year one. Uh, do you feel that way that the the players that I mentioned could could even uh, crack some some solid PT the first year? I think I would look at it in the opposite. How would they not? Yeah. Miami needs. I mean, I, I know that's not what people want to hear, but it's true. What is it? Miami's give or take 20 guys in the portal. The depth is not very good right now. There's players coming. They got six guys. I wrote about it today on all hurricanes that they're going to come in for next year. They're all very good. And then especially the top of the board players that you just mentioned, all seven of those, plus a few others, Spencer is a guy like, you know, there's several in that class. They fit a niche. And if you find a way to get a guy on the field, even if it's special teams, it helps right away. Um, But like Stafford, he's a guy besides Cormana. He's a very talented corner. Damari Brown, another talented corner. Antoine Jackson, another talented. Where did Miami get killed in the middle Tennessee game? Over the top. One of those kids is going to play beyond Cormani. Who's it going to be? I don't know. Plus you had Devontae Brown. There's a lot of chances. And it's just figure it out in spring ball and then, of course, in fall camp as well. I'll be surprised that the better part of 10 freshmen don't contribute at least special teams next fall. It's a very high-end class, as you noted, and they have a good variety. It's a balanced class. Very helpful for Miami and Coach Cristobal. Um, so hold on. Let me, let me look at this list one more time and see if there were any uh, – okay, I, I was going to say, wait, was Reuben Bain on there? Yeah, Reuben Bain was on there. I'm actually a little bit surprised that Jaden Wayne – ranked 30 spots ahead of Ruben Bain. I, I think that they could both contribute immediately. But I, I also like I, I feel like with Ruben, he he he's like criminally underrated just by the fact that he doesn't necessarily have the most elite NFL size. And I know the recruiting services, when sure. they're giving out stars, they kind of base it on someone's future as an NFL prospect more than a college player. I think Bain could end up being both. I think he could be a great college football player, and I think he could end up being a great NFL player as well. But uh, I feel like Bain is one that could end up getting on the field first year and and really wreaking havoc on opposing offenses. It's ironic, but what you said is true. Um, from talking to coaches behind the scenes, and I, I know a lot of parents and, and seven-on-seven coaches and stuff get mad about this, they want to see three things from a prospect. Measurables, measurables, measurables. <laughs> it's just true. I've, I've had coaches tell me several times, if I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss with a guy that's tall and long. Right. Yeah, and just it, that's just not how it works. You have to sit there and evaluate each kid for each circumstance. It's a pain. Evaluations are very hard, but Bain fits the profile of the underside, which Miami is famous for, of the undersized front seven guy that gets up the field and makes plays in the backfield. They've done it for 40 years. Why would today be any different? So I think he's been underrated. I, I want to say rivals or one of them didn't even have him in the top one. I can't remember, not even wow. top 150 at one point. Wow. And I'm like, how is that possible? He's like the best player in Florida this year. I mean, he had yeah. 29 sacks. He's playing in the Miami Public League. 
Um, I, I think that stat is pretty important. You know, I mean, if you get to the quarterback, you change games. Ruben Bain is tremendous. Yes, he will play next year at Miami, even if it's third and eight only, those kind of mm-hmm. situations. He changed because then, you know, you put him out there for like 12 plays a game, maybe 15. Think about how hard he can go in that space. I know it, it's, it's just incredible. Jaden Wayne, same thing. Yeah. He's yeah. He, he fits the pro. He's long. For Miami fans that haven't looked him up, it's a kid from the West Coast transferred into IMG in Bradenton. He fits the NFL profile to a T, but he's more of a strong side end where Ruben is probably better at weak side. So, again, very balanced. They fit needs. Both those guys are going to play next year. Now, I also, um, even though they, they didn't make the SI 99, when I'm thinking about players who could have an immediate impact, I'm also looking at the running backs as well, oh. right? So, you know, you look at uh, Mark Fletcher, who was one of the standouts at the All-America Bowl uh, last week, and Chris Johnson, who's got that lightning speed. And I, I think Miami's going to have, outside of uh, Henry Parrish, I think Miami's going to have a pretty young running back <laughs> rotation because if Trevante Citizen can get healthy, um, if his timetable is still looking good, uh, I think he could end up being one of the best. You know, Don Chaney is still young. You know, I, I worry about his just his durability because he's had issues with that for the last couple of years. Uh, but I could definitely see Fletcher and Johnson getting a lot of immediate playing time, and I think both could end up being big time players. I wrote about that recently, and again, the combination part, Johnson. He can play in the slot. I've watched him at practice. I've seen a film of him. It's a, he can catch the ball. So if you put a linebacker on him, good luck. Yeah. But at the same time, he, he's a pretty tough kid. He's only 170, 180 pounds, but he was clocked at 10.45 in the 100 meters. He won the state championship here in the state of Florida. So that's one aspect. And then Fletcher is your traditional downhill power running back, and he's got pretty good speed. And the touchdown that you referenced – in the all American, I mean, he caught that over the show. I mean, yeah. you get a running back that can do that at his size. You're, you're doing good. They got two guys that could be starters at some point in their career to add to Parrish And hopefully some of the guys you mentioned, I'm really interested in Trevante citizen. I hope he's healthy. I really liked him coming out of high school in Louisiana. Miami should have one of the younger running back rooms in college football, but it's also one with a lot of upside. And so on the flip side, if I think about players that could need a little bit more time, and this is not a slight because, you know, everybody's situation is different. Guys who could require more development, I think for very obvious mm-hmm. reasons, I look at Collins Achiampong and I look at Frankie Tenelau because Achiampong, you know, he grew up overseas, not playing American football until he came to this country, uh, what, three, four years ago. Uh, and Frankie Tenelau only came over to this country about a year ago from Australia where he grew up playing rugby, right? So, you know, for, for um, Tenelau is an offensive tackle, a Chiampong, uh, a defensive end, who, by the way, you talk about NFL measurables. Uh, he's six foot seven and he's got amazing bend and, and burst. Like he, he looks like he could be all world if he gets developed properly. Uh, so, you know, for, for a couple of guys like that, how do you, how long do you think it might take before they're ready to, to really dominate offensive line is the most annoying position on planet earth to evaluate anyway, but especially because of what you said, it it makes it just ridiculous. Now he's improved from last year to this year talking about 10 a while, but 
he's still a long way from being that guy. And I don't even know if they're going to play him inside to start, tackle, move him around. But I would guess his junior year is the earliest he would play anything beyond special teams, which is pretty normal, to be honest. But Ajiapong is is one of those guys I'm not sure because he's new to the game. He is ridiculous. He's like a tree. His arms. I've met him <laughs> at the Future 50 event at Under Armour, and I shook his hand and I kind of watched his arm reach across the entire room to get to me. You know, it's yeah. just like he he's not normal the way he's built because his limbs are just ridiculous, and he's six seven. Yeah. So if he figures it out above the shoulders, he takes the coaching. That's an NFL player. How long it takes him to get there, again, this has nothing to do with physical, is anybody's guess. I mean, you couldn't ask Mario that and him know. It, that's why football is so fascinating. Does he have NFL possibilities? Sure. But he may not play for two or three years. It, it's really hard to say. But great kid, very motivated, wants to help his mother. It's from a very tough situation. And motivation is always a big factor with any athlete. So at some point I'm hoping by the end of his sophomore year, he's a contributor, but uh, the upside is just absolutely fantastic. I want to see that dude blocking some field goals, right? Cause he's, he's six foot, he's six foot seven yeah. in the wingspan. I don't know. I don't know. His wingspan must be like well over seven feet. Cause he's got those crazy long arms. So I, yeah. I, I want to see him out there blocking some kicks. It's possible. And, and that's something he could maybe do as a, as a younger guy before he's really ready to be like a consistent, um, you know, defensive player uh, getting significant reps. Maybe he gets more special teams work. But uh, so uh, another thing we wanted to get to here with Brian Smith is we have Miami's schedule finalized because we have the final edition. We're going to see our old pal Ed Reed uh, on the sidelines next season. Uh, so which which games uh, interest us most and what do we think are going to be the toughest opponents for the Miami Hurricanes next year? We will talk about that more here on Locked on Canes. Guys, You've got to try Built Bars, okay? I know I talk about Built every single day. We preach the gospel. Some of the reimagined flavors out there like cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. Built's take on the granola bar. It's more filling, still insanely tasty. Uh, guys, first off, anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They are revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate on, on every bar, 17 grams of protein, shockingly low sugar and calories, only 130 calories. I eat at least one Built Bar every day. Just sink your teeth into that first bite. It's going to change your life forever. I'm telling you. And Built Bars are now available at Walmart and Sam's Club. And I know some of our viewers have already told me, like our friend Al, he goes to Sam's Club. He buys Built Bars. He's addicted, which is, that's a good thing to be addicted to, honestly. And you can still order them at Built.com with our promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. I love me some Built Bars. We are talking with Brian Smith from AllHurricanes.com and Fan Nation. All right, so Miami's 2023 schedule. We finally filled the uh, the open date on there. We'll get to that in a second. Miami opens up with Miami, Miami of Ohio at home, Texas A&M at home. I don't know what to make of that matchup with what's been going on at Texas A&M. Like, that's the most unpredictable game on the schedule. Uh, then they will host. So first uh, three games all at home, they're going to host Bethune-Cookman, uh, with Ed Reed on the sidelines, then they play at Temple. Uh, the the you know we've had so many former Temple coaches at Miami. I feel like that game has some interest. At Florida State, home against Georgia Tech, 
home against Virginia, at North Carolina, at Boston College, home against Clemson, home against Louisville, and at NC State to wrap up the year. Uh, What are the most exciting games on the calendar for you, Brian? Uh, There's two or three ways to look at it, but just the Florida State game for me is easily number one. Uh, Let's just start with it. Number one is your rival. Two, that's a team that I think will get at least some play for preseason top 10 in 2023. They got a lot of players back. And they also have a situation where they kind of came out of nowhere. I know that even a couple of my buddies that are Florida State fans, one of which covers Florida State, said at best I see seven and five this year. And then they go out and have the season they did. So they're really hard to project. Of course, they, they beat Miami pretty handily at Hard Rock. This is a chance with the transfer portal and the recruiting class. Hopefully Tyler Van Dyke, Van Dyke is healthy. Why wouldn't Miami at least give them a game right. next year? I mean, you're going to be – after you get beaten by your rival like you did, you're going to be motivated. So that game is number one for me. The one that you mentioned, though, that is – I have no idea what to project. It, it I, I just can't wait for it, is A&M. Yeah. Does, any, does anybody have a clue? What is going on at Texas A&M? I mean, how, what do they have, like nine guys left on their roster? Like, what's going on there? The last I looked a week or so ago, I believe they were at 26 or 27 transfers, and there have been more. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's literally 30-plus percent of the roster has left. I don't see how that's going to end well, but I'm curious to watch the crash. Not going to lie. Yeah. So it could happen at Hard Rock. Like, if they came in and got beat 24 to 3 – that could be the end of the Jimbo Fisher era. Who knows? So uh, the, the two games that I'm intrigued with that might, this is the classic when teams are building, they'll have a select, they'll play well against Florida state. And then they have a slip up. They play Louisville and NC state, a couple of teams that are in some different types of transition quarterback, et cetera, but they still have talented rosters. We'll see what Miami is made of next year based on consistency. Like any program that's building, if you're doing this and you're going up and down, that's not good. But it happens. Louisville's going to be somewhere in that six and six to eight and four range. Probably the same for NC State. Just don't be one of the losses to them because Miami probably should, with what I think is going to happen in the transfer portal, have more talent than both of them. But again, it's year two for Mario Cristobal. You've got to build that foundation. Let's see where they can go with them. Um, final, final thing is I want the most exciting game to be a bowl game, which isn't on the yes. schedule, which, but that also means you did well. So I'm going to put that out there now because, I mean, Miami should never be five and seven. They just should. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think Florida State is better than Clemson next year? Are you expecting that? Do you, do you think there's going to be a passing of the torch in that regard? I don't know if it's passing of the torch, but, I mean, look, the quarterback situation at any school dictates a lot. Think of it this way. If the quarterback situation was flip-flopped, last year in the Miami-Florida State game. Obviously, Florida State's in a better situation than Miami as far as the roster last year. Right. Not debating that. But if you had flipped the quarterbacks, that's a 10-point game maybe? Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? But that young man is also coming back. Yeah, and he's going to be on the Heisman so, shortlist, I'm oh, sure, Jordan what, Travis. Yeah. Look, Jordan Travis threw for 32, 14, and 24 scores, and then he ran for another seven scores. He is a defensive coordinator's nightmare. You know what? Here's your chance. You want to prove you've got a real defense. I've got a couple of defensive transfers coming in up front at linebacker at corner. Here's your chance. I mean, 
if you want to really prove that you're headed in the right direction, derail Florida State by slowing down Jordan Travis. And you would have my attention. Um, he'll, he'll, be in, he'll be in New York, in my opinion. I think Florida State at worst next year goes nine and three, more likely 10 and two, 11 and one. And I just don't think Clemson's the same. Their coaching staff's no. not near as good no. as it was because they've lost, key, you know, Venables is at Oklahoma. They don't have a, I mean, my mom could have coached Blondie, who's now at Jacksonville. <laughs> Look, it, it's just, and DJ Uli Ungleg, nothing against him personally. He transferred to Oregon State. Right. He was terrible in clutch games. He was terrible. So now Cade Klubnick's taking over. Surely he'll be better, but I'll take the proven Jordan Travis in Florida State, at least for this year. That could flip back because once he leaves, how good's Florida State going to be the year after? Big question mark. Well, um, we're going to end the episode on that note because after saying so many nice things about Florida State, I need a shower. But I also want to uh, send out a huge thank you to Brian Smith, who does an awesome job. Uh, he uh, he works with me at allhurricanes.com, and he does a great job across Fan Nation. Brian, thank you so much, my friend, and enjoy your weekend coming up. Thank you, sir. You do the same. Guys, and make sure after making Locked on Canes your first listen, you make my pals Isaac Shade and Andy Patton on Locked on College Basketball your second listen. It's the newest show on the College Channel, and these guys break it down like no other. They even give our Canes some love because Canes Hoops is having a very nice year. So make sure you make them your second listen. Make sure uh, – thank you for making us your first. We'll talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.